John chapter 20, verse 1, if you'd stand as you turn. And the text verses are going to be verses 19 through 23. But I want to read the account of the Lord's uh, resurrection. We've looked at His crucifixion and I want to look at His resurrection. And uh, really, there's an answer to a great question in this passage of Scripture. uh, And I'd like to come to it here in a moment. But John chapter 20 and verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they laid him. Peter therefore went forth, that that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own homes. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And see two angels in white sitting, and the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciple that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this passage of Scripture that reminds us of the resurrection of the Lord, tells us of some of the circumstances surrounding it, and answers one of the great questions of the Christian life. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts, feed us from your word. Lord, remind us of what your son has done for us and what you have called uh, for us to do for you. Lord, I pray that you bless our time together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wonderful passage of Scripture, isn't it? I I think of this passage of Scripture, and uh, here's one of the accounts from the Scripture of the Lord's resurrection morning. And uh, if you were to go to Matthew and get in the Mark and Luke, you'd see some other, uh, uh, other things around it, and they'd fill in and put in a good picture. Mary Magdalene, probably the first of the ladies to come to the tomb, and she had no doubt probably been traveling with the others, but she got ahead of them, and when she arrived, she walked in in and looked into the, the tomb, and it was empty. When she saw it was empty, she thought someone had stolen his body away. Someone has taken his body. Where are the guards? The seal is broken. His body is gone, and her mind went immediately to the fact that his body had been taken. 
She runs back and tells Peter and John. They've take, someone has taken the Lord's body. He's not there. And Peter and John get up and run and head, head towards the, the sepulcher and to the garden. And obviously John records that he was faster than Peter. All right. And he outran Peter. And uh, he arrived at the sepulcher first, and, but he didn't go in. He just peeked around the corner and into the empty tomb and saw the grave clothes there and the napkin that covered his head folded. And Peter came and rushed past him and into the room. And, and they went in and then John and they saw the empty, the empty tomb. What stands out to me is it says there in that verse that in verse 8, it says, Then went in also that other disciple, that, that one is John, which, first, which came first to the sepulcher. And he saw and believed. He remembered. And he believed. He believed in his resurrection. And of course, after that, Peter and John got up and went home. I bet when they heard back from Mary Magdalene, they wished they had stayed around. They got away too quickly because they went back home, but Mary Magdalene stayed. And, and as she came, and as she came up to the sepulcher after they had lost, she went and saw two men sitting, one at the head where, where the head of Christ would have laid, and the other at his feet. And she asked, what have you done with my Lord? Or they, she began to weep, weep. And they said, why do you weep? Of course, she would ask them what has been done with her Lord. And behind her, she would hear the Lord coming, not knowing that it was him and it was the gardener. And she'd turn around and ask him, what have you done with my Lord? And he would just simply say to her, Mary. And immediately she knew it was Christ. Immediately she knew. And of course, this was Sunday. It was the first day of the week. And that night, the Lord would come to see to them again. We see that account here. That he would show up before them in the upper room. And as they're there, the door shut and he would come in and he would appear before them. And this first day of the week, you know, you and I are here today on the first day of the week because of this first day of the week, aren't we? You came here this morning because we serve a risen Lord. That's why we're gathering together on Sunday, not Monday or Saturday or any other day of the week. We assembled because our Savior is risen, amen, and we serve a risen Savior. In this passage of Scripture, we see one of the great Really, I think the answer to one of the great question, questions of the Christian life. How many of you have, how many parents do we have in here? You got a parent? How many of you have ever been asked the question, why, before? Anybody ever been asked the question, why? How many more times than you wish you had heard the question, why? All right, why, mom? Why, dad? Why, why, why? And sometimes just, you eventually say, because I said so, right? Okay. <laughs> why? And sometimes they're good questions. Sometimes they're a little bit rebellious questions, right? They're asking because they don't want to do what you told them. Sometimes they're honestly seeking. I've got, I've got five kids, all 11 and under. I've heard a lot of whys, all right? I've also asked a lot of whys. Anybody in here ever ask a lot of whys? We ask a lot of questions. If you were to go to Genesis chapter 1, you would, you would find one of the great answers to the question, why are we even here in Genesis chapter 1? You would turn there and every, every person on earth ought to ask, why am I even around? Of course, in Genesis chapter 1, we find the answer. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke this world into existence. Every man, woman, and child lives and breathes on this earth because God made you. And he made you with a purpose and a plan. And it's all held together because of him. The scripture reminds us in Corinthians that all things consist by him. That's a question every living, breathing human ought to ask. And another question I think that ought to be asked is why his death and resurrection? Amen. Why? The answer for that is in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. He died for you, friend. He died that you might be saved, that you might know him, that you might have the hope of heaven, that you might have a personal relationship with the Lord. But here is the question answered for every Christian is, why am I still here? Why am I still here? 
You know, oftentimes when we're young, the question we ask ourselves the most is, what should I do, right? What should I do? Young people ask, so what should I do with my life? What should I do? What will I do with my vocation? As we grow older, we still ask ourselves, what am I going to do this week? Maybe you have a task list already designed for this coming week. What am I going to do? It seems like it's not until we're older that we begin to ask the question, why am I here? But really, that ought to be the first question everybody asks. Why am I here? This passage of Scripture of the Lord reminds us why you and I as a Christian are here. If you go to verse 21, and the Lord said this to them, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Reason that the reason we're here is because of what Jesus did for us. The reason we're still here after salvation is that somebody doesn't know the incredible story of the crucifixion. Why, am I, why are we still here? I, it is because, number one, there is a mandate, friend. There's a mandate from heaven that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice what he said. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Let me ask you something, friend. Why did God come to this earth? He says this, as the Father has sent me. Well, why did the Father send him? Luke 9, 10 says this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. John 3, 17 said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. You say, why did God come? God came so that you and I could be saved. <laughs> He came to die on the cross. He knew something. When he looked down at this world, he saw a bunch of sinners. It all began with Adam and Eve, didn't it? Wherefore, as one man, wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all had sinned. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God walked with them and talked with them in the cool of the day. And he put that one tree there. He said, don't eat of that tree. He gave them a command. Don't eat of that tree. The day that you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. God gave them a choice, right? God doesn't force his will on anybody. He doesn't force it. So he put a tree there. I love you, Adam and Eve, and I want to walk with you, and I want to have a relationship with you, and I want you to desire the same from me, but I'll give you a choice. If you ever want to break it, you can eat of that tree. Boy, they ate of the tree, didn't they? And what entered into this world? The opposite of God entered into this world. He is life, and when they ate of the tree, death entered in this world. He is holy, and when they ate of the tree, sin entered in this world. He is joy, and when they ate of that tree, heartache entered into this world. The opposite of God entered into this world because man chose the opposite of God. The entire nature of the world was changed. The nature of man was changed. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man since Adam and Eve has been a sinner. See, every man is done wrong. There is none righteous, no, not one. God looked down from heaven and he saw sinners. And he knew the penalty of sin, didn't he? For the wages of sin is death. There is a consequence for sin. It is death. It is a physical death and it is a spiritual death. A separation from God, not for time alone, but for all of eternity. When God made man, he made us an eternal soul. And when sin entered into this world, an eternal soul without Christ will be separated from Christ for all of eternity to a place called hell. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the what? The second death. 
the price of sin, the penalty of sin, death and hell. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the sorcerers and the whoremongers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's what God saw. But God said, I don't want him to know that death. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting what? Life. I'll tell you what, God loved you and I so much and all the people of this world so much that he, though we were sinners, he said, I'm going to pay the price for their sin. And his blood was shed. The last sacrifice. We see all those sacrifices in the Old Testament, mere pictures and portrait of the final sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as he died on the cross. And what were some of those final words that he said that he hung on the cross? It is what? Finished. Paid in full. I've paid the price. It is finished, and he gave up the ghost, paid his price for our sin, and he, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He looked down on this world. He saw sinful men doomed to an eternity without him in a lake of fire, and he said, I do not want them to go there. And so he came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, God came to us, we're not trying to get to him. See the difference, I heard it said once, the difference between Christianity and all the religions of the world, the other religions of the world are an effort of man to get to God, but Christianity is the story of God coming to man. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he came, that he left the throne of heaven, that he left right at the right hand of God. He descended to this earth and he became a man, born of a virgin, lived his life without sin, died on an old rugged cross and rose again three days later, seeking to save that which is lost, dying for the sins of man. That's why he came, friend. That's why we're here, isn't it? We're here this morning because of what he did for us on the cross. What he did for me in May of 1995, Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, I it was a Wednesday night. I was a preacher's kid and I'd made a profession when I was little, about four years old. And the older I got, the more I questioned it. Boy, I had nights of just rolling over thinking about eternity. I, I'd seen some movies on the tribulation. That'll scare the fire out of you. All right. And I'd seen those. and I began to ask myself the question, am I saved? Do I really know the Lord? At night, I'd roll over and roll over, and finally, it was a Wednesday night at Madera Baptist. I was sitting first or second row there. It's on a Wednesday night, and I thought, you know what? I'm tired of trying to wonder. I know that he died on the cross and that he died for me. He died for the sins of the world, but not just for the world. He died for the sins of Seth Han. I went forward that night, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. You know why? Because he came for me. And there's no getting to him on our own. He had to come to us, didn't he? You're not going to work your way to him. I don't care how, how hard you try to be a good person, how many times you pray, how many times you go to church, how many times you get baptized or whatever it may be. You can't get to him on your own. He came for you. He left the throne of heaven. Now, what does he say to the Christian in this passage of Scripture? As the Father has sent me, so what? Send I you. Do you know, Christian, there is no place in the Bible anywhere that God commands a lost man to come to church. Nowhere. 
searches pages. But you know what he commands the church to do? The Christian to do? Go to the lost man. Go ye therefore. Go, go, go. Ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Say, preacher, why am I still here? There was this day for me in May of 1995 for me at Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, that I came forward and trusted in Christ. Well, that moment I was saved and I was set apart and I was a child of God. We, we sang that song just a moment ago about being a child of God. I was a child of God. Why did he leave me here? As the Father has sent me, so send I you. He said, Seth, I came for you. I left it all for you. And I'm telling you to go to them. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. You're supposed to be going somewhere. You're supposed to be be telling someone about Jesus. You're supposed to talk to someone this week about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a mandate. Curtis Hudson said it this, the only alternative to soul winning is disobedience. In other words, the only alternative to not telling others about Christ is disobedience to the one who died for you. As the Father has sent me. You know, the question isn't, should I go with the gospel? It's, where are they at? (laughs) Going. Notice the ministry of Christ. Did you notice the ministry of Christ? He left the throne of heaven and came to this earth. In what town was he born, friend? Nazareth. Matter of fact, Nathaniel would say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? When he heard. Did Jesus remain in Nazareth? Oh, he did not, friend. He got up and he went all over the Sea of Galilee. If you study the life of Jesus, you'll study a man on the move. He was always on the move. He was moving since the day he left the throne of glory. And all through his earthly life, he moved about Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Constantly going, constantly going, constantly going. Friend, what is a Christian to be doing? Constantly going, constantly going. You say, what is the, the question we ought to ask is, why am I here? And the answer is the gospel and uh, is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's in my workplace, whether it's through ministries. Hey, you say, preacher, I am I am well beyond the time. My physical health has declined and I'm to the place where I can't get going. What can I do? Pray for those who can. Witness to those you see about whether it's in the doctor's office, whether it's at the grocery store, wherever it is. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ because you are still here For a reason. For a reason. And this is the reason. This is the reason, friend. Many times when we're young, and if you're not careful, you're constantly asking yourself the question, what should I do? And that question can only be answered appropriately by first answering the question, why am I here? Why am I here? And there's one who died for you on the cross. There's one who rose again for you that you might be saved. And there is one who said, I've got a reason for you to be here. This world tries to paint it as if we're here without reason, doesn't it? I'll tell you who's behind that. The prince and power of the air. That's the old devil. 
The whole world's telling everybody you got here by accident, isn't it? Somehow, somewhere, nothing became something. And that something exploded into something more. And over a time frame of millions and billions of years, we all arrived here by accident. <laughs> That's the story. That's not what God says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Friend, there's a reason why every person was born on this earth. There's a reason for all of this death and destruction out there in this world. S-I-N. Sin. But friend, there's an answer to all that sin. And his name is Jesus. And he died on the cross and he rose again. That you and I might be saved. And Christian, according to Corinthians, you've been given the word of reconciliation. There's a reason you're still here. You have the answer. There is a mandate from God. There's a mandate for every Christian alive to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the message in verse 23. What does he say here? He says these words, and they can be confusing if you don't take them in context, but it says, Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Well, it almost sounds like you and I have the power to forgive sin, doesn't it? But you have to take that one in context with verse 21. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you. We know why God sent, why the Lord was sent, don't we? In John chapter 3 and verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He sent, us, he sent Him to die for us. We know that only Christ has the power to forgive sin. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees got it right in Luke chapter 5. When Jesus would say to the man that needed to be healed, thy sins be forgiven thee, the scribes and the Pharisees would say, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were right. God alone was the only one who could forgive sins. They just didn't know that Jesus was God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, 3 through 6, it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. See, he looked at his disciples and he, he knew who had the power to forgive sin. He knew who it was who died on the cross, but he also knew who he just handed the word of reconciliation to. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to the wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For he made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, he died and he came that he could offer forgiveness for sin. That he could pay for sin. And he puts into our hands the word of reconciliation. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He looked at his, his disciples and said, friend, you have got the message. If you go from here, sins will be forgiven. If you stay here, 
if you stay here, there's going to be a big problem. You're going to be a big problem. Greatest handoff in all of history right here. Ever watch someone run a relay race? Running with that baton in hand? Turn around and hand the baton to the one who's coming. And they keep on running. Here the Lord says, I've come. I've paid the price. I've forgiven sins. I'm about ready to go into glory. Take the baton and the message and run, run, run. And here we are 2,000 years later. Grace Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia, because someone ran with the message. Matter of fact, if you look at the life of Paul, one of those great missionaries, he wanted to go into Asia and God took him, no, no, I want you to go into Mesopotamia, I want you to go into Europe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you study Christianity, where do you see the bulk of Christianity? The Western world, didn't you? Up into Europe, from Europe across into America. Why is that? Somebody went. You and I are here today because someone named Paul went with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Someone said, I'm not keeping it to myself. The incredible message of the gospel was carried. And it changes lives, doesn't it? It changes lives. An empty tomb, the forgiveness of sin. That verse again, John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, there's coming a day when God's coming back as judge, isn't he? Read the book of Revelations. You'll read all about it. But the first time he came, he came as a a lamb to take away the sins of the world. He didn't come to condemn the world that you and I might be saved. Now, if we're not careful, friend, we're better condemners than we are message carriers. If we're not careful, we are better at getting mad at the world for what's going on and we are carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did he come? Did he come to condemn? Oh, now he had some things to say. But he came to bring forgiveness of sin. I think if we're not careful, we're better at getting hollering at our televisions or our phones as we look at them or at the world as we watch what's going on than we are about carrying the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's backwards Christianity, friend. You and I have the message of the gospel. A message that when someone takes it and believes in what Jesus has done, brings forgiveness of sin and the changing of their life. The tomb is empty. There's victory over sin. There's victory over death. There's victory over the grave. We, we stood at a graveside this week, and as, as we remember the life of Miss Jean Stapleton, who's, who uh, just a few days ago gave up the ghost, if you will, died and went up into glory, and her body is there. But as much as there might be some sadness on the part of those who knew her and loved her, those that knew that she knew Christ had a, the presence of joy in their life in knowing that she was with the Lord. Because of the Calvary, because of an empty tomb, we know this, that there's victory over sin. There's victory over sin. I was speaking to someone this week and they were talking about a a ministry that that strives to help people overcome addictions and especially with those that are homeless and get them victory. But they mentioned this fact, they don't say much about the gospel. Oh, what a problem. Oh, what a problem. Because if you want to change someone's behavior, you've got to change their heart. 
And it is more important to change someone's heart than it is their behavior. Because when their heart is changed, their behavior will change. See, there's victory in an empty tomb. There's victory in an empty tomb. There's victory in what Christ did for us at Calvary. The greatest message. Think about the message you have. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something that can save, change someone's eternity. It was uh, an evangelist that stood behind our pulpit uh, several years ago uh, that stood up here and said, we spend, too much, we spend more time praying to keep saved people out of heaven than we do lost people out of hell. He said, you know what, if for the bulk of our time we spend more time trying to ask God to heal a saved man's physical body so that they don't go to heaven, then we do spend time praying for a lost man on his way to hell to get into heaven. Unfortunately, how true that is. We'll spend more time praying for the saved to be healed so they don't experience the glories of heaven quickly. <laughs> and we will pray for that lost person on their way to a devil's hell and saying, God, save their soul. The message that he has given to us, it's an incredible message. One that will change someone's eternity, their life and their future. It'll change their homes and their families. It'll give them victory over sin and a home in heaven. It'll make them a child of God, a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has mandated that we go with it. And he's given us this incredible message of the Lord. But he hasn't left us to do it alone, has he? See, we see our, our, our mandate, our motive, and we see our might. Look at verse 22. Of chapter 20 and look at this verse it says here <clears throat> and when he had said the said this when he had given him that message peace be unto you as my father has sent me even so send I you and when he had said this he breathed on them and said unto them receive ye the Holy Ghost you'll find the Lord said in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all, in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth and John 15, 26 through 27, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Who has he given us? He's given us the Comforter, the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit in our life, who testifies of Christ. Think of when we, we reference the Great Commission and the Great Commission begins with all power is given to me. All power. And the end it finishes with I will never leave. He said in the end, and I will be with thee. He says these words, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The promise of his power, the working of God. Your friend, to share the gospel, we don't do it alone. I'd take you from me. You, you picture the one that you know that's without Christ this morning. That friend, that family member, that coworker, person you see at the grocery store or the gas station, the people that you interact with in your life. God has a mandate for you to witness to them. Here's a mandate. You know, there's folks that you'll be able to share the gospel with that I never will be able to. There's a mandate from God that you share the gospel. There's an incredible message that will change their life if they hear it and accept it. And there is the promise of the Holy Spirit of God that will equip you and ready you and do a working in their heart 
when you call upon it. God, use me. I, I don't know what your personality, anybody, anybody naturally outgoing this morning, you're an outgoing person. Maybe someone else will have to point to you because you won't admit it, all right? How many of you are more reserved? You're more reserved. I'm, I'm more of a reserved person. You say, preach, I don't believe it. All right, I, I know. But I'm more of a reserved person. You know, I think when it comes to witnessing, sometimes we think, well, it's not my personality. Friend, it's not about what your personality is. It's about what his personality is. There is a boldness that God gives, not a brashness. God doesn't need you to be brash. God just needs you to go with the gospel. To go with the gospel. And that Holy Spirit of God that does a work in our life. See, the answer to why we're here is very simple. Go. We see our mandate. We see our message. We see our might. And lastly, I'm finished. We see our motive. Look at verse 21 again. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Well, there's the key word to understanding how, why we go with the gospel. As the Father hath what? Sent me, so send I you. He wants us to go like he went. Isn't that what he's saying? Go like I went. Can I ask you something, friend? Why did Jesus die? Give me one reason. You say, I'm a sinner. Yeah, we're a sinner, but there's more than a reason for being a sinner that God came. What was the motivating factor for the Lord in that he came? Well, the answer is simple. It's found in John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved. Why should I go? Why should you and I go? L-O-V-E. Love. Love. What is the great, greatest commandment in all the word of God, according to the Lord Jesus Christ? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. What's the second that's likened to the first? Shalt love thy neighbor as thy what? Self. Love. L-O-V-E. Why should I go? Why should I talk to someone about the Lord Jesus Christ? He loved me. And I love him. I love him. He loved me so much, so much, friend, that he left the right hand of the Father. He left the streets of gold, the angels of God crying out, holy, holy, holy. A place of holiness and without pain, without all of those things, to be born in a manger of a virgin. To be born in that time in what a lot of people thought was a shameful birth. His friend, they saw a woman they knew was betrothed, but unmarried, now with child. And there he was. He would grow up, friend, not, not, in, a, not in royalty, not in a Levit Levitical family in the priesthood, but in a poor carpenter's home. And finally, he would die on the cross, all because he loved me and he loved you. Friend, why should I talk to somebody about Jesus? L-O-V-E. Loving him and loving those that he loved. I was a teenager. My dad pastors in Marion, Indiana. We grew up in the city. Grew up in Cincinnati until I was about 17, 18 years of age. 
and uh, grew up in small properties, small city lot, and that type of thing. My dad moved to took a church in Indiana, Marion, Indiana, where he is at now. Been there 26, some 27 years. One year we had a vacation Bible school. The theme of it was down on the farm, all right? Down on the farm, someone thought it would be funny to give the preacher for that week a goat. Um, goats are not pretty creatures, all right? Well, maybe you feel that way, I don't know. But they gave him a goat. They gave him this goat, my dad this goat, and for the week. And at the end of the week, they said, here, you can have the goat back. And they said, no, preacher, we bought it. You can have it. And uh, what are we going to do with a goat? Well, my mom, she grew up in Chicago, Illinois. My dad grew up in St. Louis. And now we're in Marion, Indiana, had 10 acres, more rural, rural community. And they thought, well, we've got plenty of property. And so we had all kinds of animals, all right? But my mom had this goat. Um, I didn't like the goat. I was not a fan of this goat, all right? Matter of fact, that goat would climb on my car. It bred a serious amount of hatred in my heart, all right? I'd get right with God over that goat. One day I came out from the car, and I saw that goat. I came out to get in my car, and, and there was that goat on top of my car. And uh, I thought, well, I like euros. I think it's time for that goat to be euro meat, all right? And, uh, and I went, I was going to kill that goat, and then my mom came out. I know you think, preacher, that is so mean, all right? And out she came. Don't you dare kill my goat. So I spared the ghost's life. All right, a little bit of fear, but primarily this, love. I, w- I jokingly would tease my mom. I said, Mom, I'm going to tell you something. If you go, that goat's following you right behind, all right? I tell her, <laughs> if, if you ever die, that goat's following you right behind. I, I've got that goat's number, all right? But I, I found something. She cared about that goat. Now, I do not feel about that goat the way she feels about goats. I can tell you that much. But I know she cared about that goat. Can I tell you, friend, there's a God who loves us people in this world. You always may not have the emotional feeling to this world the way he feels about it. But you've been called to love him anyway. And that love is called to manifest itself in the form of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. This world's not always pretty. Sin is ugly. And if you took a look inside, you'd see some of that ugliness in your own life still. But God calls us to love. What motivated God was love. If we're not careful, we become better at condemning than we do loving. And I'm not saying we overlook sin. But I am saying you and I were called to love. We were called to love. And the whole reason he came is because he loved. It's what should motivate us. The second thing we see here, and I'm done in this motive, is his humility. You probably know the verses, but I'll read them to you anyway in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Boy, he humbled himself. You look behind me, you're going to see a cross on the wall. It's a symbol of Christianity today. In the day of Jesus, in that day, to put a cross on your door would be like putting the electrical, electric chair on your wall, a guillotine on your wall, or a hangman's noose on your wall. That wasn't decoration, was it? They're symbols of death. Symbols of death. Jesus humbled himself and took upon him the servant, a form of a servant, became obedient even unto death. He died a murderer's death. They nailed him to that cross. 
They stripped him naked in the common hall. They spit upon his face and plucked out his beard, drove a crown of thorns upon his head, mocking him as king, and put a robe of purple around his beaten, broken body so that they might mock him as royalty. And they nailed him to a cross, and he hung on that cross, and he died a murderer's death. This was God. This was the one who said, in the beginning... This was the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. John chapter 1 reminds us of that thing. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is the one who spoke the world into existence. This was the holy God. This was the one who walked on streets of gold. This is the one who made all things consist by him. That heart still beat and lungs still breathe. The men who beat his back were living at his pleasure. And he died. He loved them and he humbled himself to reach them. I will tell you about the gospel. You must humble yourself. Paul would say these words in Romans 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This Jew who died, this is God. (laughs) Paul would speak of it later in other times in Corinthians. He would say, if there's anybody who could make it on their own merit, it was me. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee. If anybody kept the law, I kept the law. But he would say this about all the things that he had done. I count them but as dung. Just as dung. I'll tell you what I'm unashamed of is the gospel. You know what makes a man ashamed of the gospel? When he's too proud of himself. When we are too proud of ourselves, we become ashamed of the gospel. What will they think of me in my workplace if I tell them about Jesus? What will they think of me in this world if I tell them about Jesus. We become so proud of ourselves that we are ashamed of the gospel. God, Jesus was equal with God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yet, he humbled himself, took upon the form of a servant, and died a murderer's death. The one who should have been exalted and one day will be exalted was made low. And you and I, the ones who should be made low because we're a sinner, have lifted ourselves up so highly that we refuse to share the gospel and we are ashamed of the gospel. What might someone think of me if I talk about Jesus? What will someone think of me If I knock on their door, what will someone think of me if I talk about Jesus in the workplace? What will they think of me? I will tell you this. The Lord didn't ask, what will they think of me? He just made himself low and took upon the form of a servant and died on the cross so that you and I might be saved. I will tell you something, friend. 
Why am I here? That's a question everybody here should ask. Too many times it's not till we're older that we ask that question. And we say, why am I still here? More often than not, we're saying, what should I do? I've got my task list. What should I do today? The only way you can properly answer the question, what should I do, is by properly answering the question, why am I here? And the answer as to why we are here is Jesus left it all. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And I will tell you this, friend, if you don't know Christ today, if you don't know him, ask yourself this question, why did he die for you? The answer is he loved you. Friend, he loves you. And he wants no man to see hell, but every man to see heaven. And so he paid for your sins that day. He uttered those words as he hung on the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The question was rhetorical. The reason it was, the answer was, he took our sin upon him. That we might know his righteousness. He died for your sin. He died on the cross for your sin. So that you and I might know the Lord. So ask yourself this question this morning, why did he die? And find the answer. He loved me and he died for me and he rose again for me. And then ask yourself this question, when you know him, why am I still here? Go. If the Lord tarries, why will you be here on Monday? Because you're supposed to go to somebody. You're supposed to talk to somebody. You're supposed to lift up Christ. You're supposed to pray for those who do and pray for souls to be saved and to use your efforts as you go about your week to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a meaningless existence. It is a purposeful existence that every man might have a choice. He won't make a man make the choice. He'll leave it in your court. Do you want him or do you not? But he wants every man to have the choice. Will you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's left us here to provide people with the choice. There is one whose name is Jesus, who was the son of God, who was born of a virgin, lived his life without sin, died on the cross for your sin and rose again three days later that you might be saved. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. I'm thankful for a timeless word of God. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Lord, I'm thankful for a scripture that you've given us that carries this incredible message of the gospel. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning who doesn't know Christ. They could not say for sure that heaven is their home and that, relate, that they, have a strong relate, they have a relationship with the Lord. And Pray this morning they'd put their trust in the Lord before they even leave. They'd call upon the Lord. Lord, for those of us that are saved, that we'd focus in on the answer to that question, why am I still here? Lord, when we walk out these doors, there'll be a host of people that need the gospel of Jesus Christ, need somebody to talk to them. And I pray we'd be motivated by a love for the Lord and a humility that would drive us to ask them, do you know him? And to tell them all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me ask you this question. The most important question is, do you know him? Could you say to me, preacher, I'm sure, I know this fact, that if I died this very moment, I know that I'm going to heaven to be with my Lord because 
There was a time in my life, there was a day in my life when I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that I'm saved on my way to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand just between you and I and the Lord's preacher? I know that. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning to be honest and say, preacher, I am unsure of that, but I'd like to know Christ. Maybe you'd say, hey, preacher, pray for me. I, I want to come to know Christ. I, I want to know what it is to be sure of heaven, to know I have a personal relationship with the Lord. I, I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. But if you would say, preacher, that's my testimony. Would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand just a testimony between you and I? And say, preacher, would you pray for me? Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart? Maybe God puts someone in, in specific on your mind. Someone you know with that doesn't know Christ. And he said, you need to talk to him this week. Maybe the Lord just reminded you of something you already knew. You're here on purpose. Maybe you've never considered the purpose of why you're here. But you say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this morning. Would you just raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play, as God has spoken in your heart? There's an altar open, a place, a time of invitation, a time for you to pray, an opportunity for you to, you don't know the Lord, I, I would say this, don't leave here without knowing him this morning. And John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. God desires that you know it for a fact, not just have an I hope so, but a knowledge of heaven as your home and to know Christ as your Savior. Maybe the Lord placed someone's name on your heart. Why don't you take some time and pray for him? a co-worker, a family member, a friend, someone you see on a regular basis, someone maybe God just said, you just need to be aware you're, you're living your life without sharing the gospel. I hope, I hope that we don't go a week past without telling someone about Jesus. Boy, I hope we certainly wouldn't let a month go by, a year go by, a lifetime go by without sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the reason we're still here, friend. He is the reason we are still here. And the message of the gospel is why he tarries. As God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this morning.